the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, I'm kind of excited to be able to share with you again out of the book of Romans and I mentioned in my prayer a moment ago, but as I've studied this particular text, I've needed this. Uh, And so what we're going to talk about today is something that's been good for me. And uh, and if you're like me, and I know I am, I hope that uh, maybe it will be that way for you too. So turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. We've been kind of working our way through the book of Romans and And uh, last Sunday, we had the Lord's Supper together, so we didn't uh, continue our study. So we're going to pick up where we left off the week before that. And uh, the last time we were together in our study, we had discovered that Paul, in the first 11 verses of chapter 5, has given what I have called six benefits of our salvation, six benefits of being made justified by God. Uh, Six values that you and I can experience every day as a result of being a child of God. Now what Paul had already done as he's writing this letter to the church in Rome, he has established the fact that we are saved by faith, not by works, not by what we've done. And he knows that there are some Jewish believers in the church at Rome And their whole world kind of had revolved around an idea that we we please God by what we do. And and we kind of earn the right to experience the love of God. So he knew they struggled sometimes with, with this issue of we are saved by faith, not by works. And so he knew that having established that, they may have a question. And their question might be this, okay, if, if we're saved by faith and not by works, and it's, it's not based on what I do, then how do I know that if I mess up, the deal's not off? I, I mean, if I mess up now that I've been saved, will God get mad at me? Will he change his mind about me Will I be rejected? And, and, and you know, that's a logical question for a person who believes that they have to earn their salvation. Uh, do I, what, what do I have to do to keep it, you know? And so Paul kind of anticipates that that might be their question. And so he jumps ahead of them. And in chapter 5, he said, well, let me just stop and tell you some of the benefits of being a child of God. And the first one that we identified last time we were together was Paul says, well, here's the first thing. We have peace with God. Now, he says, we are no longer at war with God. Now, a lot of us feel like, well, I've never been at war with God. Even an atheist doesn't feel like they're at war with God. But the Bible says, if you're not for me, you're against me. You are a sinner. Your sin separates you from God. So you're an enemy of God. But through faith in Jesus Christ, God has taken care of our sin. He's removed our sin. So the thing that separates us, the thing that makes us his enemy is gone. And now we are at peace with God. And he says, not only that, we have access. Now that that sin that separates us is gone, 
we can walk right into the throne room of God. We are introduced to, we are brought into the presence of, of the creator of the universe. You and I get to walk into the throne room of the creator of the universe and crawl up on his lap and talk to him about what's going on with our day. Through prayer, we have access to God. And then the third thing he says is, and we have the hope of glory. We know that we're not from here and that, that God has provided for us and we have the hope and it is absolutely sure. It is not a hope so thing, it's absolutely sure. I have the hope of glory of the future that God has for me. Now, here, here's the issue. Those are the first three that we've looked at. Now, another issue that might emerge is, well, that's fine and good. It does solidify and strengthen my faith. But, you know, that's great to know that salvation is good for the sweet by and by. But what about the nasty here and now? What about now and, and the struggles that I have in life? And so Paul, almost anticipating that that would be our next question, shares with us the fourth benefit and you're going to love this one. The fourth benefit for being a child of God. Peace with God, access to God, the hope of glory, and the fourth great benefit of being a child of God is trouble, tribulation, trials, heartache. Now, I know what you're thinking. Sign me up, dude. If that's one of the benefits of being a child of God, I'm, I am all in. Well, what in the world is Paul talking about? Let's look at the text and we're going to unpack that in our time together. Beginning with verse 1, chapter 5, we find these words. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have, there's number one, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have obtained an introduction by faith. There's number two, access into his grace in which we stand. And number three, we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, we also exult in, here's number four, tribulation. We get to have joy and rejoicing over tribulation. Knowing that tribulation bringeth perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might dare even to die. But, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, we Exalt also in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. In this text, Paul introduces us to the fourth benefit of being a child of God. And he says that fourth benefit is 
trouble in verse 3. And knowing this, we also exult in tribulation. Now, that's good news. You and I get to know that as a result of being a child of God, we have trouble. Now, the problem is most of us already know something about trouble. We all know something about tribulation. In fact, it is our trouble and our tribulation that sometimes causes us to doubt our faith, right? It is that trouble and trying to reconcile that that is a major reason that people leave their faith. And so today I want you to listen because I think what we are going to discover is extremely important. And I want you to hang with me and you might have to come back and listen to this again one or two times to really allow God to speak to you and for it to sink in. But I think this could be the difference between surviving and thriving in our personal walk with God. Now, there are three things I want to talk to you about with regard to this benefit that is ours as a result of being a child of God. Three things I can tell you about trouble and tribulation that I think give us perspective, three important truths. First one is simply this. Let's talk, number one, about the reality of tribulation. The reality of tribulation and trouble is this. Here's the truth for you. Are you ready? Everyone, everyone has trouble, trials, and tribulations. And there is no exception. I don't care how good they look on Facebook. I don't care how many vacations they take. I don't care how together their family looks. Every person on this planet is familiar with trouble, trials, and tribulation. And there is no exception. Now, I want to encourage you as a believer in Jesus because I think it's a little worse for us. Not only is that true for everybody in the world, no matter how famous they are or how wealthy they are, all experience trials, troubles, challenges, hurt, and heartache. It's worse for those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ. And the reason it's worse for us is because we have an enemy and because we are at war. And Satan is constantly attacking our lives. And we need to be aware of the fact that we are at war. And I find no exception in the Bible to the reality of trouble. When you look at Moses, when you look at Joshua, David, Jonah, when you look at Paul, Peter, James, John, all of them have problems. There's no exception anywhere in Scripture. Paul even tells about being whipped multiple times, beaten with rods, stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked, robbed, turned on by his friends and by families and even by strangers, left in the cold and hungry. Maybe Job in the Old Testament says it best when he offers this description by saying, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. When we look back over the course of our life, often that seems to be the description. Every person here today and all of you that are listening have experienced trouble, 
financial trouble, relationship troubles, physical problems, challenges in, in ways that I've not mentioned, but all of us have experienced problems. In fact, you remember I've told you that there are really only three kinds of people in the world today. There are people that are coming out of a crisis. There are people that are going into a crisis. And there are people that are in a crisis. If you're in a crisis today, good. You're going to come out of it. If you're coming out of it, great. One day you'll go back into another one. Trouble is a part of life. Now, I want you to understand the reality of trouble simply means that there's nothing you can do to escape it. You and I live in a broken, fallen world, and as a result of that, we're broken. And we have trouble. And there is no cure. There is nothing you I can do to escape the trouble that we face. So let me just say this to you before we go to the next point. Because trouble is real and the reality of trouble... Let me just give you three bits of advice with regard to the reality of trouble. Number one, since it is a reality, don't manufacture it. Since trouble's going to come your way anyway, don't go looking for it. It's amazing to me how many folks go looking for trouble. You create trouble in your own life. You don't have to create trouble. It'll come to you. It will find you, so don't create trouble, don't manufacture it, don't look for it. I heard the story of a guy who went to see his doctor and he'd been given, the doctor says, I've got bad news for you. All the results of the test have come back and you have got six months to live. And he said, well, what, is there anything I can do? And he said, well, yeah, there is. You can marry a widow who has 10 kids, buy a hog farm, and put your television on C-SPAN and leave it there 24 hours a day. And he said, will that make things better? He said, no, but it'll make that six months feel like 10 years, man. <laughs> Listen, there are some of you who have problems today because you went looking for it. So, so don't go looking for it. It'll find you, all right? Secondly, let me just say this. In the reality of problems, don't minimize the problems that other people have. One of the problems that I see among Christians is that sometimes we, we, have, a, we have a tendency to minimize the challenges that other people are facing. We do it in one of two ways. We either say, well, you know, I, you're going through a hard, but that's nothing compared to what I went through. Well, I'm going through a tough, oh, well, let me tell you, you, you think that's bad? Let me tell you about my tough times. Let me tell you about my experience. Listen, don't minimize the challenges and troubles that other people are having. It's not our job. And in fact, the two ways that we have a tendency to do that, that is to put ourselves in a position to say that we're that bigger, our, my problems are bigger than your problems. Don't minimize the problems of others and don't judge others by the problems that they have. There are a lot of people that are walking through heartache and difficulty, and you don't know how they got there. You don't know their story. And it's so easy for us to stand in judgment of other people who are walking through major trials and tribulations in life when, you know what, we have no clue. Don't minimize the challenges that other people have. Problems are a reality in life, and everybody faces them. So don't minimize them, don't create them, 
And, and then the third thing I would say to you is, but don't, don't ignore them. Sometimes we have problems and they get worse because we just pretend they're not problems. We just ignore them. We think that if I turn my, 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 my attention somewhere else, it's going to go away. It's going to get bigger. I, I want to tell you, problems are a reality in life. Don't, don't ignore it. Well, what do I do? Secondly, well, let me get to the next thing. First, I want you to understand the reality of problems. Every one of us has them. Second, I want you to understand the reason for trouble. Now, now here's the rub. Why doesn't God protect us? If God is all-powerful, and he is, if God loves me, and he does, then why doesn't he protect me? Why does he allow this to happen to me? Why has this come my way? Where is God in all of the challenges that I face in life? Well, let me give you a short answer. The reason we have trouble is because we live in a broken world. Sin was entered into the world, and the world is decaying and falling apart, and everything around us is coming apart. There is nothing substantial to hold to. The world is broken. We live in a fallen world, and trouble and pain and tribulation are the result of the fall, and even more so for Christians because we have an enemy so here's the bottom line, if I can kind of give it to you this way. The bottom line is this. God loves you too much to save you from your struggles. God loves you too much to save you from your struggles. Have you ever heard the phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle? Have you ever heard that? Do you know that's not in the Bible? <laughs> in fact, I can't even find the thought in the Bible. The only thing close I can find is that there is a passage of Scripture that says that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability, that he will always provide a way out for us. But I find nothing, nothing anywhere in Scripture that says God promises to remove us or protect us from trouble. God is not a helicopter God. Have you heard of helicopter moms? They kind of hover over their kids to make sure that nothing bad ever happens to them. God's not a helicopter God. He's not a God that says, I'm going to protect you from every challenge that you have faced in, in life. In fact, the reason is because when we understand that God loves us too much 
to remove us from the challenges that we face, it, it's because God knows something. And that is that trouble gives us the ability to minister in ways that we would never be able to apart from it. Do you know that every major ministry that helps people start it out of the hurt of somebody's heart? There's a great ministry that we've had on and off through the years here at Southcliffe called Divorce Care. Um, you know where Divorce Care came from? Somebody went through divorce. Somebody who went through the pains of divorce and only a person who's walked through that knows and felt rejection and kind of felt shame and felt rejected by the church and, and, and recognized that God doesn't reject us and God doesn't shame us and, and there's, there's grace in God. And, and as a result of it, they began to, to work with other people who have walked through that experience. There's another ministry called Grief Share. Guess where that started? With someone who had a broken heart that said, you know what, this is, this, I've never had this kind of hurt before. And I began to share with other people and they have the same kind of hurt and, and it's in the processing of that hurt together that we find hope. Do you know where addiction ministries come from? From people who have walked through addiction. Many of the blessings that you and I have experienced in life have come as a result of the hurt and pain that devastated the heart of a believer who said, from my deepest wound, I found grace. And I offer that grace to you. Man, God knows that sometimes the hurt we experience puts us in a position where we can share his mercy and love and grace. And he would say, why would I, why would I protect you from that? When it puts you in a position that, that you can declare my name and my glory. God also knows that trouble sometimes draws us closer to God. It's not in the good times that we feel the presence of God. It's in the bad times. When we look back over the course of our life, when was God close to you? When was he there? It was in those dark moments. At the time, I didn't see him, but on the other side. Man, it was in those times when I felt alone and separated that I realized, no, God was there. It's in the troubled times that we draw near to him. It's in those times that we begin to recognize our own weakness and his strength. I can't do anything. This is a problem bigger than I am. What in the world am I going to do? God, help me. And in that moment, heaven's doors open and his strength is made available to us. Well, third thing that I want you to know is this. Not only do we talk about the, the reality of our pain and suffering, the reason, I, I want to talk about the response. What do we do about it? How do we respond to trouble? Now, I think this is the real key to a thriving relationship with God, not just a, uh, uh, not just a surviving mentality. Paul says in this passage of Scripture, in verse 3, and not only this, but we exalt. We, some of your Bibles may have this, <clears throat> that word translated, we glory in our tribulations, in our trouble. 
To glory in our trouble, to exalt in our trouble literally means this. To glory in my trouble is to have absolute confidence that God will bring something worthwhile from my suffering. God's going to bring something worthwhile out of the hurt and trouble and challenge that I face. And he gives an example of that in the text before us. He ultimately says in this passage of Scripture, hey, uh, God's going to bring from the challenges of our experience, God's going to bring perseverance. So it literally means to be joyfully confident means that I'm confident that God's going to bring something worthwhile out of the suffering I experience. Now, listen to me. He is not saying that we have to enjoy the ride. He's not saying that, that trouble is fun. He's not saying that the painful challenges that you face, uh, we're to be happy or that we are to grin and bear it or that we are to pretend to be happy. He's not saying any of that. He's ultimately saying this, stop looking at the problem and start looking at God. I believe that verse 11, 1 through 11, 11 is kind of a summary verse for the whole thing. And he says not only this, but we exalt in God. That our attention is to be on God. When problems come, you've got a choice. You can focus on the problem and the challenges you face, or you can focus on God. And I think he is saying, I want you to look not at the problem, but I want you to look at God, and I want you to rejoice in God. Now, obviously, the question is, but how do I do that? Well, now, here's the cool part, because he tells us. He said, not only this, but we also exalt in tribulation and in, in We exalt in our tribulation knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. All right, so he says we exalt, we glory in our problem because of something we know. He said, okay, not, not only this, we exalt in our tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. So it's because what we know is greater than what we don't know. Now let me just say that again. The reason we rejoice in our struggles is because what we know is greater than what we don't know. Here's the problem. Most of you are constantly focused on what you don't know. You're not focused on what you know. We focus when we face trials and tribulation on what we do not know. What is it that we don't know? I don't know why. Why did this happen to me? Why has God allowed this to come into my life? Why did I get cancer? Why is it that we're struggling financially and those people aren't? Why did this person have to die? Why now? 
Why did the tornado take our house and not that house? Why did we face these challenges with the flood and other people didn't? And you spend your life every time you face a tribulation focusing on what you do not know. And Paul said, you know how we, we, we rejoice in our trouble? By focusing on what we know. What is it that I know? Even though I don't understand the reasons why, there's much that I don't know. What I know is more powerful than what I don't know. So this is what he said. This is what I know. Suffering produces endurance. He gives some examples. The word suffering literally means pressure. It means to be squeezed. Tribulation is the word that's translated here. It's a good one. Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. He didn't say it'd be easy for you when you are a follower of Christ. You will be squeezed. You will face heartache and hardship and difficulty. But Paul says, but we know something about that. When we face those hard, difficult times, it produces something. The word produce literally means it works out fully. It's a present tense. It means it continues to produce something. It ultimately means that God is using my suffering to work out something in my life. What is the first thing he's working out in my life? He's working out endurance. The word patience, it's used somewhere. I'm glad that this writer uses the word endurance. It's a better word that captures the significance. Patience kind of has a passive connotation. This is more active. It literally means to abide under. It's more active than patience. It means that I have the ability to remain where God put me. I'm going through trouble and I can stay here. I'm tempted to run but I'm not. I'm going to stay here knowing that God is at work behind the scenes to bring about something in my life and that something is endurance, that, that ability to stay when everybody else is leaving. Those amazing people in life who have the ability to stand firm for their faith amid persecution and heartache and difficulty, it's because they have endurance. They can stand. And they're confident that God is at work in their life. And he says character produces or brings about, or endurance produces character. Character is, is the approval when we are tested. Character is who we are when nobody else is around. And he says the ability to stand as a result of the challenges that we face produces this character that is proven even and tested. It's, it's our ability to, to, to stay and prove in times of trial that we're where God wants us to be. Character, he says, produces hope. God takes me through the tribulation. He strengthens me in faith to show me that that I'm a real, authentic, proven follower of Christ and, and suddenly my relationship with God grows. My hope is secure in heaven. My faith tested 
reinforces my hope, my confidence in God. And he says, hope doesn't put to shame. We endure the hardship and find in him strength to stand and trust that he is at work to accomplish something in my life, to bring about something from this. And I have hope that it will be brought to fruition and I stand firm. So the final word I think that we get to in the text is simply this. How do I handle the hardships that I have in life? If we just kind of summarize what we've looked at. I would say that when you face hardship, you need to recognize, number one, it's just normal. In fact, let me just say this. Number one, expect it. Don't be surprised when troubles come. Expect it. It's going to happen. It's a normal part of life. Nothing wrong with you. Doesn't mean you don't trust God. Doesn't mean God's mad. Every one of us face challenges and tribulations, so expect it. And with an understanding that it's coming and that it's normal when it arrives, I'm not shaken. Number two, remember God loves you. The challenges that you face, he hasn't forgotten you. In fact, somehow God thinks that the problems that you are facing are good for you. Did, did you know there was this thing years and years ago called the biosphere? Do you remember that? When they, when they built this big bubble thing and tried to figure out how to grow things inside and create this environment. And they, they drew, grew all kind of cool things in there, you know, vegetation, trying to figure out, can we create our own biosphere and we could live if some nuclear holocaust happens in our world today? And they, they planted trees and they actually grew trees in this biosphere. But you know what, what happened? The trees kept falling over. And they never could figure out as they got bigger why they kept falling over. And scientists then began to realize that, wait a minute, in the real world, trees have to compensate for the wind that constantly moves them. And they grow stronger as a result of the wind. <clears throat> Some of the strongest root systems you'll find are in places where winds are the highest. And somehow these trees, through scar tissue, develop strength to withstand. It's in the challenge itself <clears throat> that the strength emerges. And so God allows you to face the challenges that you face because he loves you. The third thing that I want you to remember is this. What? Expect it. It's normal. Remember that God loves you, number two. Number three, don't run. Don't run from it. Don't get discouraged. Don't hide. Get into the word. That's the last thing you're going to want to do. But it's the one thing you need to do in the middle of your trouble. Get into the word of God. Don't run from it. Seek God. Ask him, what is it that you're wanting to teach me? What is it that you are bringing out, working out in me in this process? And then the fourth thing that I would give you is simply this. When you're facing the problems and challenges of life that come your way, ask what, 
and how, not why. When problems come, ask this question, what? What is it, God, that you are producing in me as a result of this? How are you at work in my life? But don't ask why. Because when you begin to ask why, you focus on what you do not know. And Paul says, hey, we exalt in tribulations. Knowing. It's because of what we know. The difference between us and people that don't know Jesus is we know something. And people in the world, when they face problems and challenges and trials, they don't know what in the world to do. And their life is falling apart. And when we live before them in the challenges that we face with confident stability, they're able to look at us and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I walked through the same thing you walk in. How were you able to do that? Well, it's because of what I know. Let me introduce you to who I know. Because that is the answer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message. I so needed to hear this. We get so wrapped up sometimes in what we don't know that we fail to recognize the, 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 the stability of what we do. Thank you that you love us so much that you're not protecting us from every little challenge that comes our way. And it's in those challenges that we grow and, and know you. It's in those challenges that we find your grace sufficient. It's in those problems that we discover your strength in our own weakness. Thank you that you love us that much. Now help us, Father, to exalt in, glory in, the fact that you are at work in our life. You're up to something. And the reason I know it's because I'm facing some pretty big trials. So you're up to something, God. Thank you for the work that you're doing in my life and for the end result that will glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it may be that you're here today and have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, and we would welcome you to make that decision today. It might be that, that you're here and, and you've kind of given up on faith because of challenges and troubles, and maybe just something that I said, the Holy Spirit's been able to to bring about in your heart and say, hey, wait a minute. God hadn't neglected you. The challenges that you faced in life, he's right there, never left you. And you can turn to find his grace sufficient. And so maybe in this moment, you need to come to know him as savior, or maybe in this moment, let go of your bitterness and your why to embrace the what and how of what God's up to in your life. And I would love the opportunity to pray with you as you kind of wrestle with that and work through that. So I'm going to stand here at the front and, and uh, through this next song, if there's a challenge in your life you want me to pray with you about, uh, and it might be that you just walk in through this trial and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me, man, that I can say what and how, because it's hard not to ask why. Um, I'll do that for you too, but I'll be waiting for you. You. 
You come as God gives you this opportunity. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.